Welcome to Stat Stories, a Stat Muse podcast where we take a deeper look at statistical intrigues throughout sports. I am Chad Shanks. I work for Stat Muse, but I'm also known as a guy that once got fired for killing a fake horse on the internet. And my name is Justin Cabaco, director of statistics at Stat Muse, and I am the creator of basketballreference.com. So today we're going to deal with the ultimate question. The ultimate question regarding a basketball player is, is he worthy of the Hall of Fame? And there's one in particular that we've narrowed it down to. We could go through back and forth who's not in and deserves to be in, but there's one in particular we want to talk about today. T-Mac, Tracy McGrady. Is he a Hall of Fame player? Justin and I are going to debate in what is hopefully our final Star Wars-themed podcast. So this is Episode 7, The Hall Awaiting. Looking forward to that. Seven rings. Can, Can we just one? loan him one? Just one. Yeah, dog. You got to earn it. It would be right, but I gave it to you, right? You did a lot of great things in the NBA, but you know. <laughs> all right, Robert's out of here, but you guys are going to So that clip right there, I'm sure you've heard by now. It was circulating all over Twitter and social media. That's Robert Ory just ripping Tracy McGrady's heart out on ESPN, live on Rachel Nichols' new show. When uh, T-Mac just, little joke, little joke there about, hey, can you give me one of your seven rings? And Robert Ory just goes Kaleman on him, just rips his soul out in front of t- the national audience. So, but it didn't take T-Long, t- excuse me, it didn't take T-Mac too long to respond to it as TMZ caught him out and about and someone asked him about it. And here's what T-Mac had to say. Tracy, what, what did you think, what was going through your mind when Robert Ory uh, burned you today? Did he burn me? Well, he, you know, with the ring thing. People are going crazy about it on the internet. Listen, man, it was a joke. Really, it was a joke. I mean, I, I, I can understand how people take things, but I'll say this. Anybody can be a champion. Everybody can't be a Hall of Famer. So that's T-Max defense. Anyone can be a champion, but not everyone can be a Hall of Famer. So Justin, what were your what were your thoughts first of all on this whole T Mac Robert Ory debacle when you saw it? My thoughts. Um, I thought it was a sort of a cheap shot by Ory, and I thought McGrady's reaction on camera was just classic Tracy McGrady. Uh, just sort oh, of that, yeah, you know, just that, dead, just dead-eyed stare. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think it, and then McGrady's response to that um, noted. Uh, <laughs> outfit of integrity integrity called TMZ. Um, his response, I think, actually then uh, motivates the, the topic for today's podcast, right? In other words, is Tracy McGrady a Hall of Famer? Is he right? Is Tracy McGrady a Hall of Fame player? That is what we're going to discuss today. But first of all, Justin, how do you even quantify this? How do you even figure out who's worthy of being in the Basketball Hall of Fame? Well, as I often do when it comes to questions surrounding sports, I go back and see if Bill James wrote about the topic back in the 80s when he was publishing his annual baseball abstracts and he was publishing the historical baseball abstract and numerous other um, quality books. So back in the early 80s, there was a campaign going on by some for, or some fans of the Cleveland Indians, and there was a former player for the Indians named Ken Keltner. He was a third baseman. He was a good player, not a, not a fantastic player, a good player, solid player, probably made like 
five or six all-star games over his career. He was not a Hall of Fame quality guy, really. Um, but what these fans did was they organized this campaign trying to get Keltner into the Hall of Fame. I think they called it Keltner for Cooperstown or something like that. Um, That's catchy. That's yes, catchy as hell. very catchy. Um, and so Bill James was one of the people that they wrote to because, of course, back then people wrote letters, right? There was no email or anything. So, so B- Bill James yeah. was one of the people they wrote to, and I think they sent him like three different mailings or something like that. So he got intrigued by this. He knew obviously himself that Ken Keltner was not a Hall of Fame player, but this sort of motivated him to develop a list of questions that can be used to help you um, formulate a Hall of Fame argument or formulate a case against a particular player who's maybe on the fence. Okay. And now there's some guys like Magic Johnson where an exercise like this is pointless, but a guy like Tracy McGrady this is sort of what these this list of questions was designed for because McGrady, I don't think he's one of those players where you just think Tracy McGrady Hall of Famer automatic, right? You kind of got to say, well, I got to look a little bit and dig a little bit and see, see, you know, whether or not he is. Um, so what I did was I took the questions that Bill James formulated because he formulated them for baseball and I adapted them to basketball. So there's a series of questions we're going to go through here. I'll read the questions. You and I will sort of discuss um, the answers to those questions or our answers to those questions. And then at the end, we'll both render our final verdicts, thumbs up or thumbs down on McGrady's Hall of Fame candidacy. All right, I'm ready. Quiz me. Okay, so let's start with the first one. And now this one is really... Well, first of all, what, yeah. do we call, what do we call... Do you have a name for this? I just called. Or do we just I just call stole it James's James. name and called it the Keltner List, so... All right, so this is the the NBA Keltner list. We can call it the Kabatko list if you want, but let's, the let's, just, let's just go with yeah, Keltner. Why not? List. Trademark. Tra- Wait, is Bill James still alive? Yes, he's still alive. Okay, so he might come after us. Let's not do that then. Oh, we'll call it the Kabatko list because it's it's like fair use. You've changed it enough to where it becomes your own. Okay, sure, whatever. I don't know if that's legal, but let's just do it. This is the Kabatko list. Question number one. Okay, Tracy McGrady, was he ever regarded as the best player in basketball? Did anybody, while he was active, ever suggest that he was the best player in basketball? Okay, so this question, obviously, there are very few players you're going to answer yes for on this question. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I mean, I do remember when Kobe, like Kobe Bryant or Tracy McGrady was a legitimate argument that you could have. Like towards the last couple years of McGrady in Orlando. You know, when he was scoring 30 points a game, 32 or whatever he did this last season, where people were actually saying, Kobe v. McGrady, who's better? Which is just a ridiculous question to ask now. But I don't know, even during that time, because I can't think of a time any where T-Mac was regarded, hands down, the best player in the game. Maybe they'd say he's the best scorer in the game or something along those lines, but best all-around player at any given time. I even in his prime with Orlando, I don't, I don't think anyone would have said that. So actually, I found someone who did. So what? Yeah, you set me up. You set me up for that one. So 2002-2003, that was probably McGrady's best season as a pro. And so um, John Hollinger, who is now an executive with the Memphis Grizzlies, but remember he used to write for ESPN.com yeah. and he used to publish an annual uh, basketball guide called called the Pro Basketball Prospectus. So in the uh, in the edition that was published before the 
2003-2004 season, so right after McGrady's best season as a pro, basically, Hollinger wrote this, and this is starting the quote now. Looking at the big picture, Tim Duncan is great and Shaq is dominant, but McGrady was the best player in the league last season, end quote. So Hollinger, it, a pretty big guy in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things here, was under the impression that, at least based on that one season, McGrady was the best player in the game. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna have a hard time like pulling rank on John Hollinger as far as you know NBA NBA data and analysis is. So all right, so we'll I guess we'll have to yield that, right? So on well, is, okay, so here's on, what the, on this. I'm, I'm not. Is it a point system? Is it a point system? Like if we say, all right, the answer is yes to this first question. He gets a point. No, no, not like so that at all. Points. Not like this is much more qualitative than quantitative. This is just okay. these are just qu- sort of questions designed to help you to help guide you there but there's no point okay. system or anything. Um okay. I would say you know this is kind of a yes for McGrady not but that was clearly his best season as a pro 2002-2003 and after that he continued to be a really good player an all NBA type player but he wasn't nearly as he didn't really have a season as nearly as good as that one. And talk of him being the best player in the NBA kind of faded away. I couldn't really find any references later on that talked about McGrady in terms of being the best player in the NBA. Because then, you know, Duncan starts winning MVPs and championships and Garnett wins an MVP. And it's, it's pretty clear at that point that he is not the best player in the NBA. Yeah, and then LeBron comes along. Exactly. So, you know... One season's not really a, a, a very long run at the top. I think what this is talking about is more sustained dominance, and I would not put McGrady in that category. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying no on this one. Okay. Holland, Holling, Hollinger's words from a decade ago be damned. Well, you remember also, like I said, he's looking back only one season. I'm just he's, kidding. He's going back on um, looking at McGrady's best season as a pro, and McGrady was really young too, so I, I think it was... A reasonable to assume that McGrady was on a trajectory that would have put him at the top of the heap. Anyway, uh, all yeah, right, yeah, definitely. Next question. Yeah, I was. I was just gonna say you're not. You're not looking at it with uh, the hindsight that we are knowing what happens after that season. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Next one. Was he the best player on his team? So I would argue that with the Magic, most definitely, he was the best player on the team. Yeah, hands down. Then when, then when, and now that could have been an interesting argument if Grant Hill had been healthy during his tenure in Orlando. But of course, we know he never was. So whatever, it's, that's it doesn't matter. Um, with Houston, though, I, I don't know. I think, I think I kind of have to go with Yao on this one. And why is that? I, I don't know. It, it's they're really close, and I, I don't know that I have a great reason for it, but. I would say Yao was one A and McGrady was one B on those teams. Now you live in Houston. You live in Houston. You're probably know more about the Rockets than I do. How was it viewed at the time? Uh, I was actually I was out of Houston at the time. Um, I was away in college and stuff, and so I kind of missed the McGrady Yao years. Um, and then whenever I came back and worked for the Rockets, it was the year after Yao had retired. So I completely missed that era of Rockets basketball but looking back on it and from people in the organization they just they adored Yao Ming and just not just from a player 
perspective and a marketing perspective, just from a, a person perspective that I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about Yao Ming, but you know, you don't get put into the hall of fame for, for being a nice guy. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think when I look at it, if I'm saying, all right, at that time, at whatever the, whatever year they traded McGrady to Houston, 2003, 2004, something like that. After that season. Um, so 2004, 2005 was his first year in Houston. Yeah, so if you have, if it's like a expansion draft and you can pick anyone to start your team and you have Yao and McGrady sitting right there, I think you'd go with Yao just because of, you know, scarcity of the position and Yao's just freakish size and agility and ability that, and knowing with, not knowing that both of them are going to just start cracking and crumbling in, in the years to come. I think, yeah, I I would pick Yao. I would pick Yao as the overall. Okay, so I think what we're saying here is that definitely in Orlando, maybe in Houston, and then, of course, he was absolutely the best player in the 2013 Spurs. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the Hawks, he was on the Hawks that one year. Oh, and then in Toronto, he was he was still young. He had come right out of high school. Those were Vince Carter's so teams. Vince, so he's, those were he's Vince. not the best player on those teams. Yeah, but oh my God, what a dunking team though! Like, take two two of arguably the best dunkers ever, put them on the same team. But of course, we know nothing came of it. Okay, we're we gonna make that argument if Tracy would have stayed with Vince. Uh, they both the Toronto would have had, you know, a dynasty by now, right? No, nah, I wouldn't make that argument. No, because we haven't looked it up and it's not based in facts, and I'm just making it up off the top of my head. Basically, yes. Okay, all right, let's move, let's on, move on. So we're saying. So we're saying this is a maybe. The final answer on this one. Well, no, that's was he the best player on the team? It's a, it's a depends. Right. But at one point, yes. Oh, most definitely. Okay, next one. Third question: Was he the best player in basketball at his position? So to me, this is a little tricky because McGrady did not really have a well-defined position on the court. Like, he was named to seven All-NBA teams. And, you know, on the All-NBA teams, they select, like, guards, centers, and forwards. And McGrady was had five selections as a guard and two as a forward. So, you know, what, what was he? Um, regardless, though, I would say that, okay, in an eight-season span, he's named to seven All-NBA teams. So I think it's safe to say that in that period, he was viewed as one of the best wing players in the NBA. Where I'm wing, I'm saying basically shooting guards, small forwards combined. But he was one of the best wing players in the NBA in that span. Yeah, I think that's fair. But you, but uh, say the question again for yeah, the question was he the was, best was player he in basketball at the position? best? So I mean, I guess I would say I don't because you have I, Kobe in front of him. Yeah, probably. I would so I wouldn't say definitely yes, but he's in, he's near the top definitely in that span. Yeah, I think if we're just to give a little bit of leniency on this question, like you described, I think we'd go with yes. Okay, next one. And we all know the answer to this one. Did he have an impact on a number of NBA finals or conference finals? Oh, man. Oh, poor T-Mac getting his soul ripped out by Robert Ory. (laughs) Uh, No, yeah, everyone knows t-mac's playoff struggles but i was looking at it because that's what everyone talks about with t-mac oh that he never made it out of the first round you know until he you know hitched a ride on the spurs that last season well but, yeah and he was basically a human victory cigar for that team i mean it's like when tracy came in the game you know you know it was over yeah but if you look at his 
if you look at his actual production in the playoffs, it was really good. Well, we'll get to that. They didn't... We'll get to that later, though. So let's just let's save that. Okay, though. that you. But you want me to just tease that? A yeah, little just bit? tease that for now. But since he never played a single game beyond the first round, other than when he was on that Spurs team, then the answer here is an emphatic, yeah, an emphatic no. So, yeah. Okay, next one. Was he good enough that he could play regularly after passing his prime? Well, that depends. Where are we defining Tracy McGrady's prime? Because I think it's that eight-season stretch I'm talking about from 2001 to 2008. I mean, he has in that in those eight eight seasons, he selected to seven All NBA teams. So that's pretty clearly his his prime. Yeah, and with McGrady, it wasn't just a gradual decline. He had like several huge speed bump injuries that he had to overcome, and then would come back, and something else happened. So. I don't know. That question with him is kind of hard to hard to quantify. See, but I would say not really, because after he's named to his seventh All NBA team, then he plays f- like the next four regular seasons. He only played in 189 games in those four seasons. So, and it, during that time, he only averaged like 23 minutes per game. So yeah. So he, we're t- he, so we're t- we're talking there like maybe final two seasons in Houston, and then the half season in New York and Atlanta. Right, and then he was with Detroit for a season. Oh my goodness, see I forgot all yeah. about that. He was with Atlanta for a season, but I mean, yeah, at this point he's not really you can't count on the play. You know, he's averaging less than 50 games per fewer than 50 games per season, so you can't really count on him to be there. When he is playing, he's not playing many minutes, you know, less than 24 minutes per game. Um so I'd say no. I mean, he he just Good enough, I guess, in the terms of his health wasn't good enough. Yeah, and is that brings up the question: is that some is that a factor that we take into consideration? Because I think we were both in agreement when we did the draft busts podcast, saying that we didn't we didn't judge players on being bust based on injuries, like someone like Greg Oden, who never really got a chance to prove himself. We didn't really consider him as big of a bust as someone who got out on the court and just crapped the bed, you know, every night. So, Well, yeah, actually, and there's another in, question in, we can address that too, actually. So we can talk about extenuating okay. circumstances. So, but Man, I'm, I'm ahead of the curve. You are let's, just, let's keep the, this going. You, you are thinking like Bill James. You were just a savant. I want, you're, you're, <laughs> I want people. You're a savant. I want peop, yeah, I want people to know this, this is not scripted. This is live. This is off the cuff, as if they couldn't already tell by the, our rambling and bumbling. Okay, next question. Is he the very best eligible basket player in history who was not in the Hall of Fame? Now, this one needs an asterisk because he's not eligible yet. I think he will become eligible either next year or the following year. But Okay, but for the sake of argument. Right, and I don't think that he is. Um, like, there's Kevin Johnson to me, who was a finalist this year. I, I would probably put Johnson ahead of him. Um Sidney Moncrief, who was a great guard in the 80s, made like five straight All-NBA teams, won two straight Defensive Player of the Year awards. I would probably want to put him in before McGrady. But he's near the top of the list. If I was making lists of players who should be in the Hall of Fame but aren't, McGrady would be near the top, I think. And basketball doesn't adhere as closely to first and second and third like times on the ballot like baseball does, right? Where baseball has those stupid tears of oh well he's a hall of famer but not on the first ballot you know and that nonsense basketball doesn't really doesn't really dive around in that do they no and 
the whole process is mysterious. First of all, like the Basketball Hall of Fame does not generate nearly the passion that the Baseball Hall of Fame does for various reasons. I think part of it has to do with the, the sort of mystery of the of the process. They don't, you know, nobody really reveals who they voted for. There's sort of like these secret groups that meet and vote on it, and they never release balloting results or anything like that. And it's also it's not a it's not an NBA Hall of Fame. It's a Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it seems like every year they're electing like three European players you've never heard of, and yeah. half a dozen college coaches, and it's so it doesn't generate the same feelings as the baseball hall of fame does necessarily yeah okay so anyway i'd say what, what do you think for that one what would you answer who are there who are the other options i mean i i honestly i think i would i might put him above kevin johnson because i think i yeah, mean I kevin think, johnson you can make was, kevin johnson was great kevin johnson was a good player and that that one dunk he got over akeem like baseline dunk was just insane that was a hall of fame dunk but it's, I mean, T-Mac's numbers across the board were better. He was a leader of his team, whereas Johnson was always, you know, second fiddle to somebody, uh, to Barkley or whoever. I, I think I would put T-Mac above Kevin Johnson. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I think reason. I don't know enough about Sidney Moncrief. Reasonable people can disagree on that one, but I think we can both agree he's at, he's near the top of the list of, of people that are eligible but aren't in, or that people who are not in the Hall that of That will be eligible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Next one, are most players who have comparable statistics in the Hall of Fame? All right, so I did something here that, well, let me just tell you the answer, and then I'll tell you why I'm cheating. Um, okay. So there are 15 retired NBA players who played at least 400 games and averaged 19 points, five rebounds, and four assists per game. And of those guys, so McGrady's one of them, of the rest of those guys, only two of them, Jamal Mashburn and Chris Webber, are not in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. And Chris Webber's assured, right? I mean, he's going to be he's in the Hall of assured, Fame, He's not assured, but I think he probably will be someday. Jamal Mashburn, no. But Webber... No, Jamal Mashburn. Okay, now, here's how I cheated. So, okay. here's some of the guys on the list. Chamberlain, Bird, Drexler, Magic Johnson, Jordan, etc. Okay? But... McGrady's averages for his career were 19.6 points, 5.6 rebounds, and 4.4 assists. So basically what I did was I set the, the cutoff such that McGrady just kind of slides by in each category, right? And yeah. So what's happening is that if you averaged 30 points per game, you're in this group. But if you averaged 18.9 points per game, you're not. So he's really he's being compared to players he shouldn't be compared to, and so I was kind of cheating there, um, because he doesn't he clearly doesn't belong in a group with players like Chamberlain and Bird. I mean I think we can agree yeah. on that. Yeah, we can agree on that one. For example, that's a quick podcast. So for example, like Steve Francis, another former Rocket, and then also went to the Magic, who was and, traded, who was traded from exactly McGrady. right. So Francis finished his career with that with averages of eighteen point one points. 5.6 rebounds and six assists. But because he scored fewer than 19 points per game, he doesn't make the cut. But really, he's a much better comp for McGrady than Wilt Chamberlain is. So anyway, let, let's look at it another way, right? So if you take McGrady's 10 best seasons, okay, and you compare them to the 10 best seasons of every other player, 
And what I did was I have a method where I figure out then, okay, who are the players who are most comparable to McGrady based on those 10 best seasons of their career? So you get a list of 10 names. Let me just read them off real quick. Ed McCauley, okay. Hall of Famer. Paul Reason, Hall of Famer. Sean Marion, not eligible yet. George Gervin, Hall of Famer. Bob McAdoo, Hall of Famer. Bob Lanier, Hall of Famer. Kevin Johnson, who we already talked about, is not. Chauncey Billups, who I think should be. We can talk about that maybe at another time. Elgin Baylor, Hall of Famer. Scotty Pippen, Hall of Famer. Pretty good list. Yeah, that's pretty good company. And I think, I think they're reasonable names, too, right? There's nobody on that list where you'd say, absolutely no way McGrady should be compared to him. I think it's a pretty good list. Yeah, and it, but you get into the debate a little bit about numbers versus overall accomplishments. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun again here, too, because you look at some of the players in the Hall of Fame whose numbers are nowhere nearly as good as Tracy McGrady. Like One of the ones I was looking at was Reggie Miller who is no doubt Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any argument there that he deserves to be in there. But if you look, just compare his numbers to Tracy McGrady, like McGrady had better numbers across the board. Like Reggie Miller not, only averaged... Not with shooting efficiency, he did not. Well, let's say like total numbers, like he, he didn't average nearly as many points. Uh, he was only over 20 a game in six of his 18 seasons. You know, and that like McGrady, no no title, even though he had significantly more playoff success. But the playoff success doesn't really seem to be a factor with Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Dominique Wilkins. All these guys are in the Hall of Fame, so I don't think I, I think that that factor kind of gets eliminated off the bat. And then when you look at the numbers, the numbers aren't necessarily a factor because Reggie Miller hands down Hall of Famer because of what he did to kind of transform the game and like a precursor to what we have today with Steph and the three-point watching. So, well, and I also I think really though know. that like with Miller, so okay, I'll, I'll agree with like McGrady, peak McGrady was better than Miller. Yeah. But Miller played 18 seasons and was good for like every single season of his career. With McGrady, you've got like eight really good seasons and then kind of a bunch of so-so seasons. Yeah, and I also kind of think, whenever I think of Tracy McGrady, I, I think of similarities between Gilbert Arenas, who I don't think anyone would be making an argument that Gilbert Arenas is a Hall of Famer. I mean, maybe a Hall of Famer and bringing weapons into the locker room to threaten teammates or whatever it was that he did. But if you look at, like, Gilbert kind of had... And they were real guns, similar... not emoji guns. They were real guns. Yeah, not emoji guns. Yeah, and he didn't get fired, but... <laughs> Gilbert had kind of like that quick ascension that McGrady did to averaging nearly 30 points a season for a few seasons and then was cut down by injuries. But their numbers were really similar in those those peak years, just scoring points and, you know, adding a few rebounds and assists here. Not a whole lot that's impressive in other categories, you know, just a one dimensional score that who falls, you know, short of potential because of an injury. And I don't think Tracy McGrady did it for a few more seasons than, than Gilbert did, but I don't think there's any argument by any sane person that Gilbert Arenas is a Hall of Famer. But Tracy McGrady is. is and I'm wondering how much of it has to do with, with branding and things like that, that Tracy McGrady was just more popular. I, and I think if to, you take a closer look, you'll see that McGrady was distinctly superior to Gilbert Arenas. I really yeah, well, definitely over the long, the long haul, the long haul for sure. But I don't know. They they kind of 
they kind of remind me of each other with the, the gunners cut short with injury that who didn't really accomplish much apart from scoring titles and the like. Okay. So I would say the, the answer to that question though is yes. This, the question once again being uh, are most players who have comparable statistics in the hall of fame? I would say the answer is yes. Now the next question yeah. is really similar, and I, I, I think we should just skip over it because basically we've already touched on this in the previous question. The question is, do the players' numbers meet Hall of Fame standards? I think the answer there is yes. I mean, McGrady's, McGrady has numbers that would get most players elected. I think numbers and accomplishments. I mean, like you know, he's got he's got some good numbers. He's got seven All NBA um, selections, so he's he's got things that you would expect to see out of a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and there are no, you said there are no set standards. You know, there's no minimums. Like, you have to average this and this and this no, in order absolutely to get into not, the Hall yeah. of Fame. And I mean, and it's all it's all based on era as well. Right. And I, I think about it this way, right? Would McGrady being elected, would that lower the standards of the Hall of Fame? And I'd say absolutely not. No, I, well, that, <laughs> I don't know. That's. There's a lot of people I would probably say that about. That, that's opening the door wide open. So I guess that depends then on your definition. Do you want a small Hall of Fame or a big Hall of Fame? I'm sort of more of a big Hall of Fame guy rather than a small Hall of Fame guy. Like I think there should be room for guys who were really, really, really good but not necessarily the super-duper stars. I mean, my Hall of Fame, I don't just want to see LeBron and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Matt, Michael Jordan there. I want to see some of these other guys too, so... I guess part of the, the answer to that question might depend upon how you view the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay, now, we so next question. And this will go back to something that you brought up earlier, I think. Is there any evidence to suggest that the player was significantly better or worse than is suggested by his statistics? And I think this is maybe where injuries come into play. Yeah, in that he was probably a whole lot better than his, especially his career stats indicate because he had those last few years that, that lowered his career averages significantly. Yeah. He was arguably the best scorer in the game for those couple of years in his, in his peak before his knees just started disintegrating. Yeah. And I mean, even in Houston, right? He, he played 78 games his first season there, but then the next season he misses like 35 games and then he misses like 10 or 11 and then he misses like 15 and then he misses over 40. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, he just, he just never, after he left Orlando and after that first season in Houston, he just never really had a, a, a full injury free season. Yeah, and if we're not if we're not going to hold injuries against Greg Oden, then you know it'd be a little hypocritical to hold injuries against Tracy McGrady because he did get enough of you know enough seasons under his belt to where we know it wasn't just a fluke. You know that he didn't just have this season, this one one or two great seasons out that came out of nowhere and then he fell off the face of the earth. No, no, peak peak McGrady was uh, like top five NBA player. I mean, definitely. Okay, next one. Is he the best player at his position who is eligible for the Hall of Fame? So we kind of touched on this earlier. It's like not really clear what position McGrady should be slotted into. Yeah, um, and you can tell this is a baseball thing where, where that's much more important and that, that's taken more into consideration. I, I guess, but I mean, I don't know. Like there's, you, I think it's, it's a point in a player's favor if you could say, for example, that 
this guy is the best point guard who is not currently in the. So Hall is that going to be? Is that gonna, if let's I, say Chris Paul, Chris Paul's career ends, you know, this season, his hand doesn't heal, right? He is is that a point in his favor? Saying, well, these years that he was in the league, Chris Paul was hands down the best point guard in the league. Is it that's enough to get him in the Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, I think he's in regardless. But if he was on the fence, I think that's a a rather big yeah. point in his favor. Um, so we've already answered yes. So anyway, yeah, we've I, answered yes to that question already with like a, a hesitant yes. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, if if you call him a shooting guard, I don't know. I still like Sidney Moncrief there, who you don't know I do, about. I mean, I know the <laughs> name, but man, I can't tell you much about him. And then that's generation generational yeah. thing. I'm but older still, than and there might so. be a thing too with. Tracy McGrady when you ask like when I was thinking what are the best Tracy McGrady moments like I think of the dunk over Sean Bradley and the 13 and 35 you know where he where he went crazy right. and won that game and against the Spurs but you know one 13 and 35 does not a Hall of Famer make is this new phrase that I just invented but that I can't really think of a whole a whole lot more maybe that's because the lack of playoff moments to where you talk about these other great players and you can have tons and tons of things that you remember from highlights or great plays or clutch shots and things like that and with McGrady you have a couple good highlight dunks or he would always you know drive baseline and go up and um, lay it up on the other side of the rim going under the the defender he did that a couple times and he would throw the ball off the he'd throw the ball off the backboard and alley-oop it to himself in the game but yeah, if you want to start just going through listing your Tracy McGrady on-court memories, I think you kind of run out pretty quickly. Am I wrong there? Are, do you, are you yeah, remembering? I mean, you, are you, you remembering any Tracy McGrady great plays and great moments that I'm not? Just just the ones that you've mentioned. So I, I'm in agreement with you there. Okay, next question: How many MVT, MVP type seasons did he have? Did he ever win an MVP award? If not, how many times was he cl- was he close? Okay, so he never won the award. Never yeah, won MVP. I, he did finish. I was gonna say I look. Go I was looking up his awards, and all I saw was a most improved player award, and then all star selections and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So, but I mean, he did well in the voting. So he finished in the top eight in the MVP voting six times in a seven season span, or eight season span, I should say. But his best finish was fourth place, and that was after the two thousand one, two thousand two, and two thousand two, two thousand three seasons. So. Yeah, I guess that's he has like then a half a dozen seasons where he was sort of in the discussion for the MVP, but I don't think at any point he was a really serious candidate given that his two best finishes were fourth. And place. especially because winning and your team success plays such a big part in how people vote for that award. Right, that's that's true. I think there's only been I, I'm just pulling this out of my rear end, probably. But I think there's only been one MVP to finish, to be on a team that finished with a less than. Was it Moses record, Malone? So. No, I. Why am I? You know, I'm gonna be wrong here. I'm sure. I think. I think it was. Um, I'll just cut this out. I no, I'm leaving remember. it in. I want people to know you're not perfect. <laughs> that you you can't remember everything just off the top of your head. Most things, but not everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're on. saying no on that one. That he was MVP-ish, but not. Well, it's it's not a yes. It's not a yes/no thing. It's just how many MVP oh, seasons okay, okay. did he have? Did he ever? So we we've kind of looked at that, and I'd say that 
he has a respectable record, but nothing that is um, nothing that okay. blows you away. All right, agree. All right, next one. How many all-star type seasons did he have? How many all-star games did he play in? Did most of the players who played in this many all-star games go into the Hall of Fame? So I think you may have mentioned this earlier. He was selected to play in seven all-star games. So I looked back and I wanted to see, okay, who are the players who have played in exactly seven all-star games? And there's 17 other retired players who played in exactly seven all-star, or had exactly seven all-star selections. So 15 of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, believe it or not. And the one who is not, other than, I'm sorry, I'm getting these numbers wrong. Let me start up. So there's 17 other players other than McGrady. 15 of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. One is eligible but is, is, is not in yet, and that's Jack Sikma, who used to play for the Sonics and the, and, the, uh, and the Bucks and had a great white man perm. And also Grant Hill, who's not eligible yet. But I think Grant will be a pretty solid candidate when he, when he is eligible. So that, that seems to me to be a pretty There's going to be a picture record. of this white man perm on our blog for anyone listening. I've, I'm going to have to find it. I do not know this, this Jack, Sik- Jack Sikma, but... Sikma, yes. S-I-K-M-A. Right, we're going to have to find a, uh, a photo with uh, labeled for reuse on Google with uh, his white man perm. <laughs> no, but like, all joking aside, Sikma was a really good player. A really, well, really good player. Is, is he, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Let's talk about Jack Sikma. I'm already... I'm, well, that can be in our podcast. I'm already, I'm already off Tracy and Grady. Let's I talk would, about he, Jack Sigma. Tell me about this perm. What color let's was not it? Let's talk about Jack right now. This is going long enough right now. Let's 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 stay on track here. Let's continue talking about McGrady. We're almost done. Almost done. Okay, this one's an interesting one, and I'm going to let you go first. If this man were the best player on his team, would it be likely that the team could win an NBA title? Oh man, that's it's just hard to say because the times where he got the closest his legs snapped um i mean everyone that houston team with him and yao was considered contenders right and they had shane battier and they they had a good supporting cast it it sounds kind of hypocritical because we're criticizing his playoff performances and how he he was never able to take the team to the next level but maybe this is what i said earlier about when he was in the playoffs his numbers were were good, and I looked at comparing his regular season numbers to his playoff numbers just from scoring perspective. Every year but one that he was in the playoffs in his prime, not counting the Atlanta San Antonio end of the end of the line years, his scoring actually went up in the regular season from his playoff numbers. The one season, the from his regular his playoff numbers went up from his regular season numbers in scoring. The one where it went down was a season where he averaged 32 points in the regular season and then it dropped down to 31 point something. So that was just barely down. But yeah, he he gets so much guff for never taking the team to the next level, but he he didn't just disappear in the playoffs. So I would say this is a very theoretical question, but could prime Tracy McGrady lead a team to a title if he didn't end up in a walking cast by the second round? Yes, I, I would, I would think so. You know, you're talking about his numbers too, like comparing regular season to postseason, and you were talking about his scoring. But actually, so if you look at something like Hollinger's PER, player efficiency rating, which kind of takes into account everything in the box score, his playoff PER is actually higher than his regular season PER. 
So it wasn't just scoring. I mean, he's he's doing stuff in the playoffs that is at or above yeah, what he did. So this is what you had in your back now, pocket. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I, my answer to the question is going to be similar to yours. McGrady is not the type of guy who, if you add him to a team, they automatically become a championship contender. I mean, but there's very few guys like that, right? I mean, you've got like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and a few others who you could say that about. Like if you put them on any team, all of a and sudden... And Manu, Manu Ginobili. Contender. Every team that guy's been on has been a championship contender. You can't argue with that. You can't argue with that. No, can't argue data. Um, but you're getting me off track here. Come on. Um, so he's not that kind of guy, right? He's not like this, this guy who just like solves all your problems. But um, a team with the right pieces around him could definitely be in the mix for a championship. Yeah, definitely. No, I don't, I don't think there's anyone who would really argue that. There's been teams who have won titles who did not have a player who played at the level of Tracy McGrady. Definitely. it's fair to say. Okay. So, one more. Then we can get to our verdict. So, what impact did the player have on basketball history? Was he responsible for any rule changes? Did he introduce any new equipment? Did he change the game in any way? Was his college and or international career especially noteworthy? His, uh, his international career in China? How noteworthy was that? I guess it's a basketball hall of fame. They take that into consideration, right? Yeah, did you look up his Chinese I, I did not. Did not? you? Do we, you're, you're <laughs> Do we have those in stat music? Have we imported Chinese league yet? If not, tell our, de- tell our devs to get yeah, on I, that. I don't have my Chinese keyboard, so I couldn't search it. Yeah, I think maybe that has a little bit... Maybe I jumped the gun on this, too, saying when I think of Tracy McGrady, like what what great moments do I, do I think of? And you run out pretty quickly. So I don't know... What's what's Tracy McGrady's legacy on the game? Kind of is that that's kind of the the question. What? Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I, I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying here that there's really not a whole lot there. Some, I mean, some really badass dunks, like some of the best in-game dunks that you know that they've that they've ever been have come from Tracy McGrady. But yeah, he's. He, he has no... But I mean, yeah, so did, like, Daryl Daryl Doc- Dawkins has all kinds of memorable dunks where he smashed the backboard to yeah. pieces, but that doesn't make Daryl Dawkins a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Know, so. Oh, I don't So this, maybe, so I was kind of leaning one way, but maybe this question is making me lean lean another way, because what did he, what did he accomplish? What did Tracy McGrady accomplish as an NBA player? Oh, you are forgetting about his classic performance on the 2003 FIBA America's Oh, yeah, tell me team. all about that. That's all I know. I know he was on the team. That's oh. all I know. <laughs> well, did he score 100 points in a game? <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't do anything noteworthy, so... Yeah, he... Oh, man, he didn't do anything. That's reductionist, but... Uh, yeah, like I said, if we're putting together that Tracy McGrady highlight reel, it gets kind of repetitive quickly, and it's all regular season. Yeah, and just just in terms of his impact on the game, he, he's there's like yeah, there's nothing that jumps to mind. He had those badass shoes, uh, those Adidas, the blue T Max shoes. Do you remember those? Those oh man, those were incredible. I, I wanted those so much, but my mom for whatever reason wouldn't buy a 13 year old that lived out in the country a hundred dollar basketball shoes. You know, for whatever reason. I can't believe you grew up into the man you are suffering Thanks, that Mom. kind of abuse. had to have my $35 Academy <laughs> Nike shoes. Just bullshit. 
I've been I've been repressing this feeling until right now. That explains that explains quite actually, a bit. Like actually, like the pennies more. The penny shoes were the that though they were the epitome of non-Jordan basketball shoes at the time. Is this what you wanted to talk about today? Do you want to talk more about basketball shoes and which ones you liked as a child? Did you even have did you even well, have Air Jordans as a child? You probably you could get the ones, right? When they, whenever they came out. I would have had to get them in like toddler shoes. I had a pair, but I did not like get I would always buy like the version that was like one generation ago because <laughs> they would be on sale. And... Oh, but you know, if we ever have a podcast about shoes, though, we have to talk about the classic Converse weapon commercial. Oh, with Ke- yeah, with Kevin McHale rapping. Where where Kevin McHale oh, raps? That is just that's just the best commercial. Go to blog.statmuse.com and we'll we'll post that on there. All right. Yeah, this, we're this getting off. Is, of, I don't know. There's lots of people <laughs> love talking about shoes. We there, I'm sure there's whole podcasts about people talking about basketball shoes. Right, but no one cares. No one that's listening to this cares. No. <laughs> all right, we're terrible at podcasting. So we're at we're at the end of the road. We we've answered all these questions, and so now it's time for us to play jury and render our verdict. So what say you, Chad Shanks, Tracy McGrady, yay or nay, Hall of Famer? All right. So I think the argument comes down to what you were saying about how do you want your hall of fame do you want do you think your hall of fame is just your elite greatest players ever if that's the case no he's nowhere close to being one of the the game's all-time historic elites but if your hall of fame is just a representation of some of the best players who've played you know the best players of their era and all that kind of stuff which i think is closer to reality to what the the Naismith Hall of Fame is, then then yeah, he gets in there. I mean, he had he has the numbers, like you said, like we talked about. Compared to other players who are in there, he had some comparable success. Um, he was an electric player for for years, even though he's not a Hall of Famer on the level of Wilt or Michael or any of those guys or even other players who didn't win rings like Barkley and Malone or Ewing, he's not on their level. But yeah, if there was some kind of tiered level in the Hall of Fame, he'd he'd get on get in on like that that bottom rung. So if I had if I had a vote, I, I think I'd vote for him. Yeah, it's so I don't like the drop off at the end of his career because it was really steep. I mean, he went from being an All NBA player to being almost worthless very quickly. Um, but when you're looking at that eight season stretch starting in like 2000, 2001, he was one of the very best players in the NBA year after year after year. And I think the primary argument against him is going to be his lack of team success in the playoffs. But I really don't like the idea of holding one player accountable for an entire team's performance. And so given that, given that he had a really high peak and given that I don't want to hold him accountable for the failings of his team, I would be inclined to vote for him. I would give him a yes. All right. So everyone that's listening needs to tweet Robert Ori and tell him, guess what, fool? T-Mac's going in the Hall of Fame. These guys you never heard of said so. So in clo- I'm going to close with one kind of sim- related but kind of different question. So... I think we're, we're both in agreement that T-Mac makes it into the Hall of Fame, even though if he just ekes in. But going back to the the, the Robert Ory T-Mac debate. So you get to go into the NBA. Like, you're going to get drafted, and you get to choose your path. 
whose career would you rather have? Would you rather be Robert Ory and be a role player who just happens to be standing in the right place in the right time a freakishly you know, large number of occasions to walk away with all those rings? Or would you rather be T-Mac, who was arguably one of the best players of his generation and you know have the the fame and go into the hall of fame whose whose career would you rather have if there was some kind of weird ass freaky friday situation where you can you can switch lives with a basketball player which this should be a good this would be a good movie by the way we should do this you should write this script have mcgrady and uh and ori just swap bodies you get to freaky friday with one of them that's a really really tough question um I mean, on the one hand, it would be awesome to be considered like one of the five or ten best in the world at what you do. But it would be really, really cool to walk off the court seven times knowing that no one else in your league could be. You know what else is really cool, though? Make Making $15 million a season and sweet-ass Adidas endorsement deals. So for that reason and that reason alone, I'm going, I'm going T-Mac. Money, money, okay, I'm gonna money, with you money, I'm gonna money. Go, I'm going to go Robert money, Ory. Money, money, money. Yeah, Robert no, Ory probably has like some super investment. And he's probably made millions of dollars. Who knows? So, in closing, I think we both agree. Going through the questions, looking at the stats, thinking of the career. Tracy McGrady, the hall does await for you. You're going to get in. We said so. That's enough. That's all you need. All right, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check our blog at blog.statmuse.com if you've downloaded this on iTunes or SoundCloud or somewhere else. We're going to put a lot of the stats that we talked about, and we're also going to have a, a sweet uh, white man fro, right? Or what'd you say? White, pa- white man perm. Yes. We're going to find a picture of the perm. sweet white man perm. So if you're into that kind of thing, we might get a whole new crowd to our website at blog.statmuse.com. So thank you for listening. I'm Chad Shanks. He's Justin Kabatko. We'll see you next episode.